ready to talk fantasy football, then you're ready for the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your hosts, Mike Randall and Scott Berg. Now that was a week one of the NFL season. That was a way that you kick off the 2018 NFL fantasy football season. Welcome back to the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. This is Mike Randall taking you solo tonight. Please follow me on Twitter at RandallRant and the pod at P-U-T Blitz. My illustrious partner, Scott Burke, is actually down in Atlantic City tonight, placing some bets, doing some wagerings, got all his fantasy football teams he's following. He's down there in the, in the sports casinos there checking things out. Actually heard today that he may be on a Showtime documentary on sports betting in New Jersey that went live today for the NFL season. So a lot of big things going on for my partner. Please follow him on Twitter at SCOT557. Hit him up, ask him some questions. And when he gets back here later this week, I'm sure he'll give us a fantastic recap on what he did down there in Atlantic City. But I'm going to take you solo here and what a week one it was. We had big plays. We had upsets, surprises. And most importantly, for moving forward in the fantasy season, we had injuries, injuries all over the place, some serious, some not so serious, but so many different things, so many variables that you're going to have to take into account going into week two. Now, listen, every year there's injuries in week one. Every year there are things that go on that kind of shake you. Remember last year, David Johnson out for the rest of the year in pretty much the first quarter of the game last year. But this year, there was more. The magnitude was greater. Different things. We have some waiver wire pickups for you, things that we have to discuss. So let's not waste any time. Let's get into it. There's the whistle first quarter. We're going to start with the injury report because there were certainly a lot of things that went on, a lot of up and down roller coasters here the first week one that I think we got to take a look at. And certainly the top of that list of the injuries, which can affect us not only next week, but the rest of the season. So the injuries played a huge part in what went on in week one. We'll start in Tampa Bay where wide receiver Deshaun Jackson, and you know what I call him, Feast or Famine Jackson. Well, he certainly feasted today. He had a concussion. But before he got that concussion, five receptions, 146 yards, and two touchdowns, which of course you know meant that Ryan Fitzpatrick had a huge game. He had the best game of any fantasy quarterback, and it wasn't really close. But Deshaun Jackson did not return. He has a concussion. He'll be in the concussion protocol, and that's certainly worth worth watching moving forward. Chris Godwin caught a touchdown. Mike Evans was great as well, but certainly Jackson. He's going to be an up-and-down roller coaster for you, but in your best ball lineups, you were happy you had him in there this week. In what was the most incredible thing, Aaron Rodgers suffers a knee injury in the second quarter against the Bears. Everyone, myself included, thought he was done. He seemed frustrated. He limped. He got carted to the locker room. Everybody thought torn ACL, whatever it was. I actually thought he got a concussion because he got kneed in the head. It was on a sack. The Bears were putting pressure all over the place. Khalil Mack was unbelievable. Yet Rodgers returns. He returns like The Undertaker coming back from what we thought was completely out of the game, possibly out of the entire season, and he leads them to a comeback victory against the Bears after a big, big pass to guess who? Randall Cobb. That's right. Randall Cobb takes it to the house, 80-yard touchdown reception, and Aaron Rodgers returns. He was interviewed after the game by Michelle Tafoya and said he is definitely playing next week at home against Minnesota. That's great news for Packers fans and great news for fantasy football Aaron Rodgers owners. Doug Baldwin suffered an MCL sprain in the first half against the Broncos. He did not return. It was the opposite knee that he injured in training camp. So not only does he have the other knee where he said he's not going to be 100% the entire year, now he sprained his MCL in the other knee. So he didn't have a catch. He was only targeted once. Stock down here for Doug Baldwin moving forward. We'll get into who you should pick up or who you should target in that offense a little later. In the Tennessee-Miami game, just chaos. There was, I think, four stoppages of play, thunderstorms in the area. They had to stop, started. It was the last game that finished of the entire regular 1-4 o'clock slate. But it started at 1 o'clock. And in that game, Marcus Mariota comes back and injures his elbow after a sack interception in the second half after a long break. He was like the first pass he threw, sack interception. He was injured. He's out. Blaine Gabbert's in. Early reports seem that Mariota will return. They just want to be cautious with him. But he did not look good. That offense sputtered. 
all day long. They're going to get better, of course. Certainly Matt LaFleur coming from the Sean McVay coaching tree. They'll get better. But Mariota was knocked out of the game uh, with an elbow injury. Also in that game, Delaney Walker suffered a dislocated ankle and an associated fracture. It looks like he is out for the rest of the year. Listen, I do not want to be right about this. I'm not cheering about injuries. But I did say Delaney Walker, who signed that big contract in the offseason for a couple more years, and I was lamenting about John o. Smith. Unfortunately, he got hurt, tackled on a tackle, leg got caught under him. So it does seem like it's going to be the John o. Smith show moving forward. He's a tremendously athletic tight end who I think is going to step right in for Delaney Walker, but certainly a terrible situation for Delaney Walker, dislocated ankle and associated fracture. The Titans also, this is a big injury game. Maybe it's the rain, the slickness of the field. They also lost left tackle Taylor Lewin, who was one of their best offensive linemen, to a concussion in the first half of that game. New England Patriots running back Jeremy Hill suffered a knee injury against the Texans and did not return. Hill had four carries for 25 yards, so he did some nice damage there, had a long of 11, had a catch for six yards as well, but he went out and he was ruled out quickly, which makes me think that it's a pretty severe injury. So if you're looking at that Patriots backfield, and we've talked about this, it was Rex Burkhead, 18 rushes, 64 yards against a tough Texans run defense. James White had five rushes, 18 yards. Sony Michelle was a game day inactive. So certainly it does seem like the Rex Burkhead show moving forward. Jeremy Hill's going to be out for a little bit of time. You don't take somebody and rule them out of the game and play them next week. So Jeremy Hill is somebody who looks like he's going to be injured for a while, which means Rex Burkhead should be ready to go. In the Jaguars-Giant game, Leonard Fournette looked good. He was running. He was catching the ball. And then again, the injuries catch up with Fournette. That's always the deal with Fournette, that he can get injured. He's injury prone. He had that in college as well. He had nine rushes, 41 yards, getting a nice 4.6 yards per carry there. He also had three catches for 14 yards, was a big, big part of the offense. And then all of a sudden, he's injured and out. So we'll have to see with him. But a hamstring injury, tough to see him play next week. Got the Patriots coming into town. So certainly, I think you're Fournette. You got to look at TJ Yeldon. Corey Grant should have played a lot more than he did today. Didn't really do much. But so look for Corey Grant as well to shine next week against the Patriots. Carolina Panthers tight end Greg Olson went to the locker room in the second quarter with a foot injury. It was the same foot he injured last year. He came out, folks, in a walking boot. Not good at all. Similar to the situation with Jonu Smith, you were going to fire up Ian Thomas moving forward. Ian Thomas, the athletic tight end, looks like he could step right into a role here. Now, you know tight ends don't normally contribute in year one, but they're not normally as athletic as Ian Thomas, and he's stepping into a prime situation here with Cam Newton. So Thomas could be a big difference maker, and I think he could have a similar impact as Evan Ingram did last year. Tough, tough situation for Greg Olson. So Ian Thomas looks ready to go. You have Jonu Smith, tight ends here that are going to be available on the waiver wire probably, unless you're in a dynasty league, who can step up and make a big impact. That's your injury report for week one. Let's head into the NFC home games right now and take a deep dive at each one of the games. NFC home games, second quarter. First game we're going to take a look at here is the Thursday night game between the Eagles and the Falcons. Fascinating game. A lot of things to talk about here from a fantasy perspective. I'll start with the losing team, move to the winning team. The Atlanta Falcons against a tough Philadelphia defense on the road defending Super Bowl champions. They moved the ball up and down the field. That wasn't the problem. The problem was the red zone. Steve Sarkisian with the terrible red zone calls. They've got to get better. Dan Quinn knows they have to get better. My takeaway is this offense was clicking. They were going up and down the field. The Eagles obviously felt that they were going to take everybody else away and give Julio Jones his. And hit boy, did he get it. 19 targets, 19 targets, 10 receptions, 169 yards for Julio Jones. Now, listen, I don't think it's going to happen every week because the game plan against the Falcons is not going to be to let Julio Jones get what he wants. But they limited everybody else, and they were especially tough against the run. And the Eagles have a good run defense. So don't do a knee-jerk reaction. Week two is such a huge knee-jerk reaction. You can make some great trades here. People panic. They go nuts for no reason. You gotta play it for the entire year and be patient. But looking at the running game, another injury that happened on Thursday, 
Devonta Freeman. Freeman left the second half of the Falcons regular season opener after he had a knee injury and he was called questionable for the rest of the game. They gave it to Tevin Coleman. Freeman has said recently as yesterday that he's fine and he'll be good to go for the week two game against Carolina. And that's certainly good news. But I will tell you this. I told you to sell Devonta Freeman. He is, he is getting older. He has Tevin Coleman behind him now. He started to slow down. He always has the concussion problem. He's not a huge big guy here. So I was a little questionable on Freeman, but Tevin Coleman came in and did very, very well. Devontae Freeman had six carries, 36 yards. Tevin Coleman, nine carries, only 19 yards, but did get the touchdown. And Coleman had one reception for 26 yards. Steve Sarkissian, get the ball to Tevin Coleman, will you please? Only two targets for Tevin Coleman. Ridiculous. So if Freeman's good to go next week, you have to start him. But Tevin Coleman is someone I'd keep an eye on. He is certainly a flex option each and every week, especially at home. I like the team backfield drafting, and I have no problem starting him both next week against Carolina in a game that Atlanta is going to really, really want, and their offense is going to click at home. They moved the ball up and down the field. That was not the issue. And the Philadelphia defense at home on opening night is going to be a heck of a lot better than the Panthers defense in Atlanta next week. A couple other things to note. Calvin Ridley, two targets, no catches. Enough with Calvin Ridley. He's not better than Muhammad Sanu. They used a first-round pick to get him. They wanted him to be more featured, and he was not. So Sanu is somebody you can sort of look at moving forward. He had six targets. Austin Hooper, eh, four targets, three receptions, 24 yards. Maybe at home you can start him in a deep league, but he's not somebody that you want to rely on week in and week out, even though he's he's the only game in town there besides Eric Saubert. Uh, but overall, Matt Ryan, I think, and I put this on Twitter, I think we have to start being worried about Matt Ryan's arm strength. Matt Ryan's always somebody through this deep touchdowns to Julio. He throws him, you see on the screen, he throws him while the ball goes completely off the screen for what seems like five seconds. It's almost like he's throwing a duck up there. His arm strength is not great. It's becoming a little more erratic and a little more obvious. He can hit a 10-yard, a 15-yard pass, but outside of that, it's not very reliable and it hangs up there for a very, very long time. So Ryan is a solid QB, but he's not a guy you really want to trust unless he's home. If he's home and they have a nice slate of games coming up, that's fine. But 251 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. Now for the Eagles, many, many things. Nick Foles, not good. He had that fantastic year with Chip Kelly where he was out of his mind. And then, of course, he had the great run last year. But, folks, in between that, he was not very good. And he was let go from the Rams. And people thought he was out of football. He admitted himself, which means you will eventually regress to the back of the card. If you've been in the league for a few years and you've been up and down and up and down, are you listening, Case Keenum? You're probably going to regress to that. You're not going to find this incredible second life at like the age of 27 and then all of a sudden go on like a six, seven year run. Doesn't happen that way. So Nick Foles is simply doing what Nick Foles does. Atlanta played well. Dan Quinn had a good scheme, but this team is not going to really fire until Carson Wentz returns, which my guess would be week three. As for the running backs, Jay Ajayi did not have that many rushes in the first half. Darren Sproles out-touched him by a lot. In the second half though, they said they were worried about Ajayi's injury. They let him get a little more touches because they knew they had to win the game, had 15 carries, 62 yards, and two touchdowns, including an 11-yard touchdown run, which pretty much put the game away. Corey Clement, eh, I feel like Darren Sproles was more of an issue than Corey Clement. He got a couple rushes there, but I think Ajayi is going to get the main group of carries here moving forward. So if he's hung with Jay Ajayi, you know, that knee injury can pop up whenever it wants, and I don't know if he's a great dynasty play, but for this year, he looks as solid as any of the other running backs as well. Looking at the receiving... Nelson Aguilar, 10 targets. Zach Ertz, 10 targets. Aguilar is going to be someone you're going to want moving forward. They involve him in the offense. They hit him on the slants. He's trying, he threw a pass for 15 yards. He's very involved in this team. Alshon Jeffrey is going to be out for several weeks. When he comes back, I still like Aguilar because he's going to have, he's going to have weaker coverage. Zach Ertz drops some passes he doesn't normally drop, but you'll take the 10 targets with him. He had five for 43. Darren Sproles was an issue as well. Listen, another player. He had three targets, no receptions, no yards. Mike Wallace, folks. When Mike Wallace is ready to go and Carson Wentz is back, he's going to be a league winner. I could see Mike Wallace having the same sort of impact in the second half of the season that Keelan Cole did last year. So he's not going to produce a lot with Nick Foles, probably not going to target a lot. Alshon Jeffrey coming back, I know, but Mike Wallace will be a great wide receiver three for you when Carson Wentz is back in the saddle. No doubt about that. Dallas Goddard looked good. I thought he was a sleeper to possibly catch a touchdown, and he actually got targeted there in the first quarter for a touchdown, but didn't catch it. So overall, Eagles 18, Atlanta 12. 
You heard the synopsis there. We're moving on. Next up today, Vikings 24, Niners 16. I'm going to have a little bit of a different take on this. Would you expect anything less than probably your mainstream social media is going to have? Here are my thoughts. Jimmy Garoppolo, only 15 of 33, 261 yards, a touchdown, and three interceptions. Three interceptions. I got to tell you, folks, with as bad as they played on the road against a great Minnesota defense, I think they kind of hung in there. And I expect Garoppolo to have a monster game next week against Detroit at home. Monster game. Because he showed me something here. Yeah, he struggled. He got sacked three times, three interceptions. That's great. Jump off the train. I bet some people even drop him. He's going to come around with Kyle Shanahan. And they hung in this game despite losing Marquise Goodwin. Goodwin had a quad contusion. He did return to the game, but they, they took him out. They probably didn't want to push it. I think Goodwin's going to be fine. The fact that he came back in the game is a big, big deal. But they probably, they were down by a lot at that point. They probably didn't want to push it. But without Marquise Goodwin, his number one receiver, and on the road against Minnesota and getting sacked three times, I think the Niners hung in there a little bit. Their defense is better than I thought they would be. Looking at the rushing, 11 rushes for Brita, 12 rushes for Alfred Morris, kind of half and half. I think that's the way it's going to be moving forward. I'm not sure if either one of them is really startable. You're going to flip a coin. I still like Morris a little better when they get to the goal line, but I think it's close. Good bright spots here for San Francisco. George, George Kittle returned as a tight end. He got nine targets there. That's nine targets out of 33 passes, folks, okay? So we're talking about more than 25% out of those, out of those attempts, 33 attempts, nine of those targets went to Kittle. I think he's, he's active. He's athletic. He gets open. Those are the passes that Garoppolo is great at. He struggles on the deep passes a little bit. So I like George Kittle a lot. Five receptions, 90 yards moving forward. Dante Pettis caught the only touchdown. Two for 61. He's fine. I've called, told you about Usyk. I think he's a pain in the rear. And I think if you're ever stuck in a bye week and you're desperate, he had one catch for 56 yards. He can easily sneak in some goal line carries. They may not like Morris and Breida there. Kyle Usyk, I'm not saying you put him on your starting roster every week. I'm saying in a pinch, middle of the season, he's somebody you look at. Pierre Garçon, only two for 21. Trent Taylor, four for 28. So the key is, will Goodwin return next week? Because I think he really opens up that offense. Now for Minnesota, Kirk Cousins, very efficient. 20 of 36, 244 yards, and two touchdowns. Tremendous job. He hit Thielen. He had Thielen in a big game. Six for 102, 12 targets. Dalvin Cook had six receptions, 55 yards out of the backfield. Three catches, 43 yards, and a touchdown for Stefan Diggs. Diggs had six targets. So this was a game, if they're going to take Diggs away, which a lot of teams are going to try to do, certainly Thielen's going to be open underneath. Laquan Treadwell, four targets, and I guess he's the wide receiver three. And listen, here's the one about Kyle Rudolph. And I told you about this. If you listen to the Rotoviz NFL team preview series that I was hosting there, and I talked about the Vikings. We had the Vikings beat reporter on. We had Chris Thomason, who covered the Vikings for the St. Paul Pioneer Press. I had him on an interview. He was saying that I think people are a little too high on Kyle Rudolph, and he may be right. For example, if you're going to hit Thielen and you're going to hit Cooks and you're going to hit Diggs, someone's not going to get those passes. And it could be Kyle Rudolph there. Only two targets, one reception, 11 yards and a touchdown. But I'm selling Kyle Rudolph. You can't have everybody light it up here. And I think the other guys are sort of entrenched and they're going to get their targets, especially Dalvin Cook. So the guy who's going to suffer is Rudolph. I'd be very careful on him. As far as rushing, something to keep an eye on. 11 rushes for Latavius Murray and 16 for Dalvin Cook. Murray was a little more effective than Cook was. They're going to want to ease Cook in. He got injured last year. They're going to want to split this this backfield up. So if you're looking for production from Cook, it's got to come from the receiving game because he's not going to get 20 to 25 carries. It's not happening. They have Latavius. They're going to use it. He's very effective in short yardage situation, and they want to keep Dalvin Cook healthy. Vikings 24, Niners 16. The absolute shocker of the week. Buccaneers 48, Saints 40, Marshawn Lattimore, Saints defense. What is going on? Ryan Fitzmagic, baby. 21 of 28, 417 yards, four touchdowns. Oh, by the way, rushing, 12 carries, 12 carries, 12 rushes for Ryan Fitzpatrick. 36 yards and a touchdown. Jameis Winston, you do not necessarily have your job back when you when you come back here in week four. 
That's for sure. Uh, Fitzpatrick had a fantastic year with the Jets that year. And if he keeps going like this, he's going nowhere. Peyton Barber, Peyton Barber owners, Ronald Jones was a game day inactive. That's how much they think of him. 19 carries, 69 yards, 3.6 a carry is fine. Uh, didn't get any targets or receptions in the passing, in the passing game. But the key, of course, would be that Jaquiz Rogers only had two carries. So this looks like it's Peyton Barber's backfield. He looks like the workhorse. The receivers, they were all fantastic. Mike Evans, seven targets, seven receptions, 147 yards, and a touchdown. Feast or Famine Jackson, like I said, five targets, five receptions. Everybody's catching passes here. 146 yards, two touchdowns. Chris Godwin, who's a guy I really like a lot as teams concentrate on Evans. Three receptions, 41 yards. He got a touchdown. Don't sleep on OJ Howard. He had two receptions, 54 yards. They didn't go to the tight end a lot, but Cameron Brait, no catches, no Yards. So the key is OJ Howard moving forward. Just a fantastic performance by Tampa Bay. What a performance on the road. As for the Saints, problem wasn't the offense. Drew Brees, 37 of 45, 439 yards, three touchdowns. Tremendous. The receivers, Michael Thomas, 17 targets, 16 receptions, 180 yards, and a touchdown. Had a very costly fumble there as well, as did Mike Gillisley, by the way. But Thomas is going to get all the passes all over the place. Traquan Smith, very disappointing. One of the disappointing parts from, from the Saints. I heard that Karen, Mer- Karen Meredith was not going to be active this game. I really like Traquan Smith. Nothing really fired. Only one target, no catches. Alvin Kamara, damage all over the place. Exactly what we thought would happen with Mark Ingram suspended for the first four games. Eight carries, 29 yards. Not great. Two touchdowns. But then they had to go to the pass because they were down so much. Kamara, 12 targets, nine receptions, 112 yards, and a touchdown. So three total touchdowns for Kamara. Ted Ginn, got to love him, baby. Always goes deep. Five receptions, 68 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, and as for running the ball, Gillisley only three for nine, not a lot going on there. Austin Carr started in the slot, had two receptions for 20 yards. And Benjamin Watson, old reliable, four receptions, 44 yards. I expect a big performance from the Saints next next week. I think the Saints are going to roll. They got Cleveland coming in. Cleveland had a tough battle against Pittsburgh. I expect the Saints to really pop next week and do some damage. But the offensive production was there. Hey, if you had the over in this game, 88 points. You got to be kidding me. Huge win for Tampa Bay. Sliding on over to the Jaguars, winning on the road, 20-15 to over the Giants. Start with the Giants. Eli Manning, so disappointing. Listen, I know Jacksonville's defense is tough. I get that. But 23-37, 224 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. I thought for sure he'd throw a touchdown. I thought maybe two. Giants, with all their offensive weapons, did not fire. Odell fired, 15 targets, 11 receptions, 111 yards. He was fine. Sterling Shepard dropped a bunch of passes, things that were right there for him. 5-48 for him. Evan Ingram. Not even a factor. And that's going to happen throughout the year with Saquon Barkley, or I can tell you, because Barkley had six targets, two receptions, 22 yards, and Barkley had 18 rushes, 106 yards, and a touchdown. That's 5.9 per carry. 68 was the touchdown run. So Ingram suffers, as I thought he would. Just a tough performance for the Giants. Defense was okay, kept him in it, did a nice job, but Eli's got to be better. He's got to be better with the with the passes. He's got to try to make extend plays. I know he doesn't run a lot, but this is an offense that should really click. And with Barkley running as well as he is, and he looked very, very good against this Jacksonville defense, especially running down that line for that touchdown run, Eli's got to be able to make some things happen. For the Jaguars, Blake Bortles does what Blake Bortles does. 18 to 33, 176 yards, a touchdown interception. But of course, the interception doesn't matter. Why? Because he rushed for 42 yards. And that's what Blake's Bortles does. Blake gives you a solid game and he was on the road. At home, I think he'll even be better. Fournette got hurt. I told you about that. TJ Yeldon stepped in, 14 carries, 51 yards. I do expect Corey Grant to get more of the carries uh, next week, like a Chris Ivory did last year. I don't think TJ Yeldon is built to get 14 or 15 carries, though he did do a nice job here. He caught a touchdown pass. He had three receptions, 18 yards on seven targets. Keep in mind, TJ Yeldon had the most targets of any player on Jacksonville. That's a role I think he can shine in, and he had 14 rushes for 51 yards. Keelan Cole, this listen, Giants defense was, was tough. It was raining here in New Jersey during this game. Three receptions, 54 yards. I think he will pop next week and have a big, big game. He had the most yardage. Didi Westbrook had five receptions, 61 yards. Austin Safarian Jenkins had a touchdown called back because of a penalty against the Giants. Death taxes in that tight end, right? But three receptions, 25 yards. You know, the thing with Safarian Jenkins, he's not going to be a high volume guy. He's not going to be a high-volume tight end, so I think there's others on the waiver wire. But at home, in a, in a nice matchup, I think maybe you could start him. But he's not going to be 
one of those upper echelon tight ends people think he's going to. It's just not going to happen. Dante Moncrief, uh, people are Moncrief truthers. I don't know why. One catch, 14 yards. Jacksonville, 20. Giants, 15. Another surpriser for me, Redskins, 24. Arizona, 6. Listen, I, I admit that Washington could win this game. I just thought Arizona would be a little bit better than they were. The Cardinals, Bradford, when is Josh Rosen going to start? I think Josh Rosen could have a really decent year here because there's more weapons on this offense than they give him credit for. But Sam Bradford was not good. Terrible. 20 of 34, 153 yards and an interception. He also lost a fumble. Josh Rosen's coming, folks. And when he comes, I think he's a real sneaky play because this Arizona team is better than they showed. David Johnson did get a touchdown there at the end. Nine carries, 37 yards, five receptions, 30 yards. Not a great day for him, but the touchdown saved it. Chase Edmonds came in, did some nice things. Keep Keep your eye on Chase Edmonds, folks. He had four receptions, 24 yards, four carries, 24 yards. Keep your eye on him. If David Johnson were to ever get hurt, Chase Edmonds is going to be a stud. And even so, he can be a third down receiver like a TJ Yeldon sort of thing for Jacksonville. Fitzgerald battled his way to a decent line, seven receptions, 76 yards. And that was pretty much it. Christian Kirk, one for four. Chad Williams started. Forget about Chad Williams enough. Ricky Seals-Jones, I liked him, didn't really pop. Had six targets, three receptions, 19 yards. As for Washington, Alex Smith being efficient. 21 of 30, 255, two touchdowns, no turnovers, of course. He did fumble twice, but he got them both back. Adrian Peterson was the story. 26 rushes, 96 yards, a touchdown. He had a fumble, but he also had two receptions for 70 yards, including a 52-yard uh, catch and run there. Huge factor. Chris Thompson also out of the backfield, and that's what Alex Smith is going to do. He's going to take advantage of those RBs that come out of the backfield. Chris Thompson, six receptions, 63 yards, and a touchdown. Also ran five for 65. So Chris Thompson is a thing, folks, and he's legit. Jordan Reed, when he's healthy, he plays well. Four for 48 and caught a touchdown. Jamison Crowder, only three for 32. You know, it's interesting. I like Crowder. You know that. I'm sort of a Crowder truther. But if he's going to hit Thompson and he's going to hit Reed and he's going to hit AP once in a while, not a lot of balls left for Jamison Crowder. And oh, by the way, Vernon Davis is hanging around one for nine. Paul Richardson, I do not like Paul Richardson. Alex Smith's deep ball prowess last year in Kansas City was a result of Andy Reed and was a result of Tyreek Hill, who we'll get to in a minute. I don't like Paul Richardson. I tried to sell my dynasty league. I just don't think he's very good. I, I, you know, he got the big contract, but this is not the quarterback for him. Put him with Patrick Mahomes, it'd be a different story. So Washington 24, Arizona only six. Big one on the road for the Redskins. Panthers 16, Cowboys 8 in a game that set back time into like the 80s. Three yards in a cloud of dust. Terrible play calling. Not great performances. Dak Prescott was brutal in this game. 19 of 29 for 170 yards. No touchdowns. He ran five times for 19 yards. That offensive line is hurt. They're missing the, the center. They're missing another lineman as well who got hurt in today's game. That offensive line is not totally together. They're going to be a disaster. And I don't have any faith in Jason Garrett to get it right. Cole Beasley, 7 of 73. How about that? Deontay Thompson, 3 for 26. Alan Hearns, 1 for 20. They got to get Michael Gallup involved. Only 1 of 9, but he is a explosive wide receiver. And listen, you're not winning games, Cowboys, with Deontay Thompson. It's just not happening. So you want to hit Cole Beasley, that's fine. Alan Hearns really doesn't do much. I think Gallup's got to get way more involved. Ezekiel Elliott, 15 for 69, had a nice average of 4.6. did get the touchdown to save it. Very David Johnson-esque line. He had three catches for 17 yards. For the Panthers, Cam Newton. Cam Newton does what he does. 13 rushes, 58 yards. And a touchdown, which saved his line because he was 17 to 26 for 161. Christian McCaffrey definitely disappointed. Lost a fumble in close, which was a killer. 10 rushes for 50 yards. He out touched CJ Anderson in the rushing department. So that was big. McCaffrey, six catches on nine targets. That was nice. 45 yards. Devin Funches, three for 41. Greg Olson, two for 33 before leaving with an injury. The guy you're going to want is Ian Thomas. I think you should pick him up if you need a tight end, folks, because I think he's going to be a big part of this. He's a big time athlete, can definitely do some things in this offense. C.J. Anderson, not much there, 7 for 35. So this was a snooze fest, probably one of the worst games of the day. Panthers 16, Cowboys 8. Cowboys got to play the Giants next week, and they better get that one. Loser, that game's in a lot of trouble. And the last NFC game we'll talk about was probably the best one. Packers 24, Bears 23 tonight. Mitchell Trubisky started off hot, moving the team down the field, hitting some passes, short, quick passes. He ended up 23 of 35 for 171 yards. 
uh, did lose a fumble, fumble twice, and he lost one. The big news from the Bears here, they hung tough, lost a tough one in Green Bay that you didn't think they were going to win. I don't think the Bear fans are devastated by a one-point loss. But the big news here to me is Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard, 15 rushes, 82 yards. He outrushed Tariq Cohen 3-1. to one. And to make it even better, four catches, five targets, five catches, 25 yards. So that's 20 touches there between carries and targets for Jordan Howard. That's a big deal. I am buying what Matt Nagy said about him being a three-down back. I think they mean it. And if that's the case, Jordan Howard's going to have a big, big year in this offense. Allen Robinson, four for 61. He led the team with seven targets. Taylor Gabriel was an issue, five for 25. Tariq Cohen, five rushers, 25, three receptions, 16. Nothing great there. Of course, (laughs) Trey Burton. I love Trey Burton. Oh, Trey Burton loves Trey Burton, right? Small sample size in Philadelphia. Give me a break. Enough. And this was out without Adam Shaheen. Keep that in mind. Trey Burton, one catch, 15 yards. Enough with Trey Burton because Matt Nagy came from Kansas City. Doesn't mean every tight end becomes Travis Kelsey. Plays with Trey Burton. Anthony Miller disappointed. Two receptions, 14 yards. But keep in mind, only two less receptions than Al Robinson. Wasn't a ton of passing here in this game. But with the Packers, what can you say? Aaron Rodgers does Aaron Rodgers like things. You think he's out for the year. He goes out. Deshaun Kaiser gets intercepted and he gets stripped by Khalil Mack. Mack returns it for a touchdown. You're thinking, this is a disaster. But then Rodgers comes back in after being down 17 nothing at the half. Goes 20 up 30. 286 yards. Three touchdowns. Even rush for 15 yards as well. As far as the rushing, Ty Montgomery really didn't do much in this game. Jamal Williams did. 15 rushes, 47 yards against a tough Bears front to run against, especially with Deshaun Kaiser in there. So that pretty much, that portion of the game was useless for the run. But Williams was actually solid. 15 for 47. As for the receiving, Devontae Adams was shut down for a long part of this game until he got going with Rodgers late on a 51-yard touchdown catch. Geronimo Allison had a big one too, a 39-yard touchdown catch. But Randall Cobb was the story. Nine receptions, 142 yards, and a touchdown. Had a long of 75 and led the team in targets with 10. If Randall Cobb stays healthy, he's going to have a big, big year. So Allison, Adams, and Cobb were all very solid. Jimmy Graham only two for eight. Hard to do that with Aaron Rodgers not in there. When he comes back, they were down big, so they take bigger shots down the field. I think Graham's going to be fine. I think he's going to be a low, like my partner Scott said this, low reception, high touchdown guy. So... Jamal Williams also targeted twice in the passing game. So moving forward, Jamal Williams needs to have a little more production because remember, myself included, all think Aaron Jones is a better running back than Jamal Williams. So Jamal Williams better have some more moves, be a little more elusive because when Aaron Jones comes back, if that suspension, he could take that job. But for the next week or so, probably the week that Jones comes back, he's not going to be thrown in the mix. I think Williams has an opportunity, but he's got to be better. Next weekend's Minnesota is going to be tough sledding as well. That's it for the NFC home games. Third quarter. Third quarter here, AFC home games. Let's take you right around the league. Steelers 21, Browns 21. My partner must be miserable, Atlantic City. Listen, it's really hard for me to pile on the Steelers on this one, and I'm not going to do that. The rain messes everything up. I liked the Browns in this game. I love the points as well, so if you followed me on that, great job. But the rain really does change everything. It does. So it's not one to brag about. It's a tie. But it was a very good spot for Cleveland and the Steelers. No Le'Veon Bell. But that didn't really matter because James Conner, 31 carries, 135 yards, 4.4 carry, two touchdowns, receptions, five receptions, 57 yards. Just major damage by James Conner. What a great story, too. Came back, beat cancer. Just tremendous. Le'Veon Bell, you can send all those little emoticons with those monocles and the emoticon eye there. Doesn't really matter, man. James Conner pretty much took your leverage away from you. Big game for Conner. Look fantastic. Going back to my point that it doesn't matter who's back there, whether it's D'Angelo Williams, James Conner. It doesn't matter. It's the line and it's the system. Great job by Conner there. Ben Roethlisberger, horrific performance. Two fumbles, lost them both. One interception, three interceptions, one touchdown. Terrible performance, five turnovers. Listen, I'm not going to pile on. 
the rain had something to do with it. But Ben is not great on the road, and this did nothing to shake that label. I'll tell you that. 335 passing yards, but he threw 41 times. As for the receivers, Juju Smith-Schuster, huge game, five receptions, 119 yards. Antonio Brown targeted 16 times, targeted double the amount of times of, of, of Juju, eight times for Juju, 16 for Antonio Brown, nine for 93, and a touchdown for AB. Jesse James had a nice game, three for 60. Browns are terrible against tight end, so that's a nice start there. I feel like Vance McDonald could have really ate this up as well. On the Cleveland side, listen, Tyrod was 15 of 40. The Steeler defense was in his face all day long. He did have the interception. Um, he didn't lose the play. He fumbled once, but they got it back. Listen, Tyrod was not great, but I don't think it's fair to judge him in a rain game like this. He doesn't have the biggest hands in the world, so it's tough to throw that ball. I don't think if you put Baker Mayfield in this game, you win. I think that's not the right move. So Tyrod's going to get a couple more games, at least a couple better weather games to show what he can do, especially when he goes in the Dome next week to New Orleans. He did have eight rushes for 77 yards and a touchdown. That's something Mayfield is not going to do, so that's a big weapon. I think other things you take away from this game, Carlos Hyde, 22 rushes, 62 yards, and a touchdown. The biggest number there, the 22 carries. 22 rushes there. Nick Chubb, only three. Duke Johnson, five. As far as the receiving, Jarvis Landry, 15 targets. Tyrod's going to check down and hit those short passes, and Landry can get open. That's exactly what he does. Seven receptions, 106 yards. Josh Gordon had three targets. They clearly tried to take him away, had the huge 17-yard touchdown there to tie the game up late. David Njoku had seven targets, only three receptions, 13 yards. But keep in mind, he did have the seven targets. So that's another person you want to keep an eye on there. If for some reason people want to sell him and get all over that, seven targets, that was more more than double what Josh Gordon got. So the Browns, they'll take a tie. The Steelers, tough tie here. Partner must be very upset, but I don't think we can judge this fairly in the rain because weird stuff goes on. This game was good weather and the Steelers lost it or tied it. I think that says a lot more than this, but certainly was a weird one, that's for sure. Andrew Luck is back, but didn't get the win. 34 points by the Bengals, 34-23. They won on the road to Indianapolis. Listen, I think you got to really focus on the Bengals. If you look at their upcoming schedule, everything they have going on, they have the Ravens at home, then they go to the Panthers, and they go to the Falcons. The reason I'm bringing that up is because after that run, Ravens home, at Panthers, at Falcons, they play four of the next five games at home. Home Dolphins, home Steelers, at Chiefs, home Bucks, home Saints. This is a team that if they can get next week's game against the Ravens, is going to be in pretty good shape there because they showed something here on the road in Indianapolis. Luck was back. They did a nice job. They sacked him twice. They intercepted him once. Big, big job here by the Bengals. Did a very nice job. Looking at the Colts first, listen, you wanted to see if Luck was okay, and he certainly was. 39 of 53, 319 yards, two touchdowns, the one interception. That's a great line. As far as the receivers, Jack Doyle, you know he loves Jack Doyle. 10 targets, 7 receptions, 60 yards. Had a tough fumble late, which really cost them when they were moving the ball. Eric Ebron. Five targets, four receptions, 51 yards, and a touchdown. Luck can certainly support two touchdowns in any given week. T.Y. Hilton was certainly a focus of the Cincinnati defense, but he had 11 targets, led the team in targets, five receptions, 46 yards, and a touchdown. Something worth noting, Naeem Hines, someone who maybe didn't get a lot of publicity, was criticized in the, in the offseason there, nine targets. Same targets as Ryan Grant got, seven receptions, 33 yards, had five rushes as well. The rushing game couldn't get going against the Bengals' front seven. Jordan Wilkins, 14 carries, 40 yards, really didn't do much. Marlon Mack was an inactive in this game. Looking at the Bengals, Andy Dalton, I love to start him. I thought he was solid, and he was. 21-28, that's 75% completion percentage, 243 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Joe Mixon's going to be a star, folks. He's going to be an absolute star. 17 carries, 95 yards, and a touchdown to go along with seven targets, 15 receptions, 54 yards. He is a Runner and a receiver, one of the true three down backs. Giovanni Bernard only got one rush. He was not an issue there and only one target. So Bernard was very, very quiet in this game. Mixon is the one they want to ride. He was in Marvin Lewis's doghouse last year, but now that he's a sophomore, he's not a rookie anymore, they're going to ride him. A.J. Green, eight targets, six receptions, 92 yards, and a touchdown. Nice job by him. He did have the unfortunate fumble there. He had two fumbles, actually, but A.J. getting that touchdown was solid. Tyler Eifert did, did a nice job, three receptions, 44 yards. And if he's healthy, he's going to be an issue, too. He's somebody who can definitely be startable. If he's out there in the waiver wire, people didn't grab him. Maybe the three for 44 doesn't thrill him. 
he's somebody you can absolutely look at as well. John Ross even got in the end zone, one reception, three yards. I think John Ross is somebody also who's very, very dangerous, especially at home. He's going to get more targets as, as he gets better. I, I think he can certainly get more targets than Tyler Boyd. I, I, Tyler Boyd's okay, but he's not fantastic. But Ross can definitely be an issue there as well. Bengals 34, Colts 23. In the game that took what, seven hours to complete? One of the longest games of all time because of the rain delays and the lightning delays. Dolphins win a home game 27-20 over the Titans. So much to talk about in this game, which was interrupted over and over again. So certainly it's worth a discussion. But I'm going to say this, folks, if you're losing by a touchdown with eight minutes left, it's not time to do the hurry-up offense. There's no need. People go to the passing game and the hurry-up offense way too soon, way too soon. Imagine if it's 14 nothing in the first quarter. What did what NFL teams do? They all come out, shotgun, shotgun, shotgun. Got to pass. We got to pass. Why? Go down, score a touchdown, get a stop, get the ball back. You're fine. There's a difference between being down two touchdowns and being down four touchdowns. I think Tennessee totally blew it with their game plan here. It was only 7-3 Miami at the half. It was stopped. It was start. Mariota, terrible game, 9-16, 103 yards, two interceptions. But what happened was in the first half, Derrick Henry was getting stuffed by the Dolphins, had 10 rushes, 26 yards. In the second half, they went Deion Lewis. And listen, 16 rushes, 75 yards and a touchdown. Here's a problem. Deion Lewis is going to get injured. Deion Lewis is not a three down back. Deion Lewis was not an RB1 last year. Deion Lewis was an RB1 when he played at the end of the year. Deion Lewis is not getting 200 carries. He's going to wear down and he's going to get hurt. He is a satellite back. That's what he is. Why on earth would you not bring Henry back out there in the second half, especially when Blaine Gabbert came in the game because you know you don't want to pass then and try to hammer that defense like they did last year when DeMarco Murray was so ineffective and in the fourth quarter they brought in Derrick Henry. Why would you not hammer him over and over again against a tired defense? They went with Lewis and that's fine. Five receptions, 35 yards, eight targets. That's great. But with Blaine Gabbert in there, why not put Henry and Lewis in the backfield? I understand with Henry there, maybe you think you're telegraphing that you're running it, whatever. Then put them both in there and one can block for the other. But I, he's the he's the guy. This is an offense. You had Corey Davis, six receptions, 62 yards. Delaney Walker, four for 52. He is now going to be out. There were no targets in there for, for anyone else. Tajay Sharp, one for 17. Taewon Taylor got nothing. They got to be a little more creative on offense because if they're going to run their offense through a, a Marcus Mariota, who's a safe passer, who's a safe, don't turn the ball over passer, and Deion Lewis, who's a scat back, they're not going to have a good season. You've got to run the ball with Henry. You've got to hammer him in there. You've got to get him at least 15 touches. It has to happen. Play him together. Do something because now with no Delaney Walker, I like John Smith. He had one catch for 12 yards here. But that's that's your go-to guy. That's your offense. That's your offense because Mariota's not going to fire the ball down the field. It's not his game. So why not be conservative with the offense, hit Deion Lewis, hit Jonu Smith now, Corey Davis, Sharp Matthews, those type of guys. That's how you're going to win. But Derrick Henry is one of your top three or four offensive players. He can't be on the sideline for the entire second half. That's basically what he was. It was all Deion Lewis. And if you do that, he's going to get hurt because he's not a guy who's durable. And if you do that, you're going to lose. That's what's going to happen. As for the Dolphins, hey, Tannehill, 20 of 28, 230 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Certainly solid. Two touchdowns from Tannehill. You take that in the pouring rain. Interesting here, Kenyon Drake, 14 rushes, 48 yards. Not fantastic. Frank Gore, nine rushes, 61 yards. All you Kenyon Drake truthers out there, Frank Gore is going nowhere. Frank Gore is loved by everyone. He's going back to Miami. His, his college years there. He's going to be just enough of a pain in the rear to Kenyon Drake to keep him out of being an RB1. Kenny Stills, big day. Four receptions, 106 yards, 75-yard touchdown, and had two touchdowns on the day. Ryan Tannehill's burning you deep. You know there's something wrong, Tennessee. Jakeem Grant, five for 38. Albert Wilson, three for 31. Enough with Danny Amendola, four for 26. Please, with this ridiculousness. And Mike Gusecki, one for 11. I think he's got to be used a heck of a lot more. So nice win by the Dolphins. Tennessee, lot to work on here, folks. Mariota looks like he'll be back because if Blaine Gabbert's there, this is going to be a long season for Titan fans. Patriots, 27. Texans, 20. Patriots do what they do. They're just so consistent. And you win fantasy football with consistency, and that's what you get. Tom Brady, 26 of 39, 277 yards, three touchdowns, the one interception. But a fantastic day for him. Rob Gronkowski, seven receptions on eight targets, 123 yards, and a touchdown. He did have one fumble. Folks, that's the deal with Gronkowski. 
He is reliable. He's a reliable tight end. He's a top tight end at a position in fantasy football where you can't get consistency. You started Zach Ertz, you got destroyed by the guy with Rob Gronkowski. You started Travis Kelsey, you got destroyed by the guy with Rob Gronkowski. That's the issue. He is reliable and he always gets open and Brady looks for him. Dorsett was seven of uh, 66 for a touchdown. James White was, was another touchdown as well, four for 38. He had nine targets. Most targets on the day went to James White. He's a great PPR play. Chris Hogan won for 11. When Dorsett's on, Hogan's not going to be on, but I expect Hogan to bounce back next week against the Saints big time. So don't panic on Hogan. It was a Dorsett day. Some days it'll be a Hogan day. I think Hogan will be fine. Rex Burkett led the rushers there, 18 carries, 64 yards, as long as 12, but the 18 carries is big, and he's going to be their main guy moving forward. He had one reception on three targets for five yards. That's fine, but a great performance by the Patriots. Death, taxes, they're going to be an issue each and every week, of course. Houston, Deshaun Watson came back to earth. I thought he would come back to earth a little bit. He lost a fumble, 17 to 34. That's 50%. 176 yards, a touchdown, interception. No Will Fuller in this game. He was a game day inactive. I think that hurt them a lot. Hopkins had 11 targets, 8 for 78. Bruce Ellington caught the touchdown, 4 for 37, but he's certainly not explosive. The other thing you want to know, Lamar Miller, death taxes and Lamar Miller, 20 carries, 98 yards. He had one reception for 11 yards. He's going to be the main guy. Alfred Blue got the goal line carry, which is incredibly frustrating, but I think that was just because of the uh, particular offensive package that was in there. Lamar Miller... You can do a lot worse, folks, than having 109 total yards with Lamar Miller. That's for sure. No tight end of consequence here. So Patriots 27, Texans 20. We're not going to stay too long in this game. Ravens 47, Bills 3. I told you the Ravens defense is going to be fantastic, and they certainly were. 47 to 3 over the Bills. Flacco certainly going to be more solid than people are giving him credit for. 25 to 34 in the rain, three touchdowns. One to Sneed, one to Brown, one to Michael Crabtree, and a great catch. So Flacco was tremendous. Sneed, four for 49, one touchdown. John Brown, three for 44, one touchdown. Crabtree, three for 38, one touchdown. Great job here. Most annoying part, Alex Collins, only seven rushes, 13 yards. He did get in the end zone, which is good. He got a touchdown. Buck Allen got the goal line carry. Kenneth Dixon got a touchdown. Alex Collins did lose a fumble, which is worth noting. But very frustrating here that Alex Collins only had seven rushes. Kenneth Dixon had 13. Now, maybe the game script got out of hand. Maybe they're saving Collins for a game that's closer. I think that's definitely possible. But certainly was frustrating to owners, even though he did get in the end zone there. Buffalo, I'm not going to say much. The Sean McCoy was stuffed. Ravens have a real tough defense, especially at home. Seven for 22. News came out today that it looks like he's not going to have charges against him. So certainly moving forward, McCoy's probably somebody that you're going to want to play, especially when he's home. I think he'll be better than this. Josh Allen came in after Nathan Peterman was terrible. Nathan Peterman, 5 of 18 for 24 yards. Josh Allen, 6 of 15 for 74 yards. Guys, a total of 98 passing yards on the day for these two. Seriously? Two interceptions for Peterman, and that was pretty much it. If you're curious in such things, Kelvin Benjamin had seven targets, one for 10. Zay Jones, six targets, three for 26, if that matters to you at all. Disappointed Charles Clay, only two targets, no catches. So not much to say here. Ravens 47, Bills 3. Chiefs 38, Chargers 28. Big win for the Chiefs. Boy, Andy Reid knows how to start a season, doesn't he? When you give him time to prepare, he's always very, very good, except in the playoffs, of course. But a big win for the Chiefs. Listen, Tyreek Hill, phenomenal. Returned one on a kick for a touchdown, had seven receptions on eight targets, 169 yards and two touchdowns. Here's my point, folks. He did a great job and he busted him deep, but he's going to have three or four weeks when he gets you under four fantasy points. So this was a great week. This was a fantastic week for Tyreek Hill, but this is who he is and people are going to adjust. I just don't see him having these breakout performances. He's a great returner. I have no problem with that. But I'm not buying into Tyreek Hill each and every week. I'm just not, folks. I'm not. And I, he's going to have these big weeks where he gets you 50 fantasy points and then he's going to have huge variation. And I know variation is something that comes with wide receivers. I get it. But his variation is too much for my liking. Sammy Watkins, what is the problem? Anthony Sherman caught a touchdown for 36 yards. Watkins did have five targets. Travis Kelsey had six. Travis Kelsey, one reception, six yards. Again, Rob Gronkowski is that big a difference. Kareem Hunt, 16 rushes, 49 yards. Didn't catch any passes on one target. Patrick Mahomes was fantastic. 15 to 27, 256 yards and four touchdowns. This is what I'll caution you with. He was not super efficient. His completion percentage was 
a little over 50%. So if you look at the four touchdowns, it's going to skew it here. I don't think that Patrick Mahomes is necessarily going to be a QB1 the rest of the way. A lot of people are. He's going to be inaccurate. He's going to turn the ball over. He did not today. No interceptions, no fumbles. But this was against a, a Charger team that did not have Bosa there rushing. So they were a little shorthanded on defense. And of course, secondary it was a little weaker with the injury, of course. But I... I, I think that Patrick Mahomes is a little bit fool's gold. I'm not buying Tyreek Hill the rest of the season. I'm not buying Patrick Mahomes. I think you have to be careful. Remember, Kareem Hunt had the big sort of, you know, missing middle of the year there where he was totally a ghost, and Tyreek Hill's going to have that as well. Teams are going to skew that because they're going to see that Sammy Watkins is doing absolutely nothing. On the other side, Phillip Rivers did what he could. 34-51, 424 yards, three touchdowns and interception. And laugh it up, Melvin Gordon fans. And my partner can be laughing because we won against each other. Melvin Gordon, no touchdowns on the day. 15 carries, 64 yards. That's 4.3 carry. That's fine. Nine receptions, 102 yards. You heard Anthony Lynn say earlier this year that he wants to get him more involved in the receiving game, and he certainly was. Keenan Allen was 8-108 for a touchdown. Gordon had nine receptions. Nine receptions out of the backfield for 102. You may not like Melvin Gordon. He may not be super fast. He may not be super elusive, but he has volume, and that's what matters. And for your Austin Eckler people, get out of here with Austin Eckler. Five for 39. He had five receptions, 87 yards and a touchdown. That's great. Gordon is the guy. Eckler is nice. If you want to play him as a flex in a PPR league, I have no problem with it. But Eckler doesn't affect Gordon. They're going to go to Gordon. Eckler is what Deion Lewis should be, okay? He's a nice satellite, two-minute drill, third down back. That's fine. But he doesn't affect Gordon. Gordon led the team in receptions. Mike Williams, 5 for 81, which was impressive. Tyrell Williams actually caught a touchdown late to save his line. And Antonio Gates, two for 16. So the Chargers have a good offense. They're going to throw the ball. They're going to do better. And when Bosa comes back, their defense will be better too. This was a, ty- a game that got away from them because Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill took the game over. He is 17 to 12 at halftime. And then the 14 points they put up in the third quarter, 31 to 12, the game was over. But folks, I'll take my chances. There's going to be some days where Tyreek Hill doesn't catch seven passes for 159 yards and two touchdowns. It's just not going to happen every week. But if you had him, good job by you. In our last AFC game, fun game, under under the radar game, one of the few games that had good weather. Broncos 27, Seattle 24. couple things here. Let's start with Seattle. I'll tell you this. Without Doug Baldwin there, and he had one target, no receptions, Russell Wilson is going to have to find somebody to throw to. Will Disley, the backup tight end, Will Disley. People love Nick Vanette. Will Disley was a fourth-round pick out of Washington this year. Not a great speed guy. He is 6'4", 262, but he played great and got open. Three receptions, 105 yards and a touchdown. Tyler Lockett showed three for 59 and a touchdown. Brandon Marshall, three for 46 and a touchdown. Folks, moving forward, I got to tell you, if I was looking for somebody, it would be Brandon Marshall. I think he's an issue. Jerron Brown was not great, one of seven. Chris Carson did rush seven times for 51 yards and had three catches of 28. Rashad Penny was involved as well. He had four catches on five targets for 35 yards. So listen, if if there's going to be no Doug Baldwin, Russell Wilson, 298 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, did not run a lot here, but certainly had a very solid game. He did have two fumbles, but he didn't turn any over. If you're asking me who to go to, he's going to go to Lockett. He's going to go to Marshall. And I kind of like Rashad Penny also, to be honest with you. Because Penny's going to catch the ball in the backfield. And listen, Chris Carson can be their runner. That's fine. But this offense is going to have to throw a lot because they're not going to have many leads. This was not a great Denver team offense here, but they certainly sliced and diced the Seattle defense. On their side, Case Keenum, 25-39, 329 yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions. Folks, Chad Kelly's coming because Case Keenum throwing three interceptions against the Seahawks team is pathetic. That's what I'm going to tell you. So Chad Kelly's coming. Keenum's fine, but he certainly hooked up with Emmanuel Sanders. 11 targets, 10 receptions, 135 yards, and a touchdown. Case Keenum is not a guy who's going to fire the ball down the sideline. So when Sanders is working in that slot, he's going to go nuts. Just like Adam Thielen did last year with Keenum, that's what Sanders is going to do. I told you that. I hope you drafted him. Demarius Thomas, 6 for 63, and a touchdown. Cortland Sutton, 2 for 45. Philip Lindsay, the undrafted free agent out of Colorado. 4.44 40-yard dash speed. He's only 5'7 as a running back, but certainly was involved in the passing game, and he played great. He actually had 15 rushes for 71 yards, which is the same as Royce Freeman. 
Don't get thrown by that, by the way. I think Royce Freeman will be fine. Lindsey caught two passes, 31 yards, and a touchdown. So Lindsey looks like he's an issue there if you want to pick him up as a flyer, as a third down back, because he's certainly going to overtake Devontae Booker, that's for sure. But this offense, Sanders is going to be great. Thomas was good today. I think Sutton could take him over at some point. But Case Keenum, folks, do not rely on Case Keenum. Pick up Chad Kelly. If you got a dynasty league, try to trade for him because I think Chad Kelly is going to be starting quarterback for the end of the season. Case Keenum will regress to the back of his card. Three touchdowns, three interceptions. I'll concentrate on the three interceptions. Those were your AFC home games. Let's hit the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, folks, we're bringing home. We have two games tomorrow night. We have the Jets-Lions, which will be a very interesting game to see how Sam Darnold does in his first start. And we have the Raiders-Rams. Now, I previewed the Raiders-Rams on Rotoviz. Remember, I'm hosting that fantasy football beat on Rotoviz Radio. Please check it out there. You can check it on my timeline on Twitter. But I, I had Marcus Mosier in from the Raiders Wire. We talked about this game. No Khalil Mack, who certainly made an impact in the Packers game. So that's going to be a big one as well. Things I'm going to look for, I want to look at the Detroit backfield situation. I think it's going to be muddled. But I'd like to see somebody step forward like a carry on Johnson because there's a lot of value there between, behind a really strong Lions offensive line. I'm curious to see the Galladay effect, what he's going to do to Marvin Jones and Golden Tate. I think Stafford would be very solid. And I'm interested to see if Robbie Anderson can continue his big playability like he had last year. I'm very excited to see how he's going to do as well. Uh, you know, there. And then, of course, the backfield of Powell and Crowell. So that's an interesting game. As far as the Raiders-Rams, I think there's some intrigue here with this game being John Gruden's first game at home in Oakland. I think there's going to be an issue. I think Jared Goff will get pressured here. He'll get some nervous feet going. I think the Raiders can get to him even though they don't have Mac anymore. I expect a healthy dose of Marshawn Lynch, who seems a little banged up, but looks like he's going to play. And I want to see how Amari Cooper is going to perform. Listen, if Amari Cooper has a nice game against Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib, look out, folks. He's going to have a huge, huge season. But you know Gruden's track record. I, I think he's going to be fine, and I think he'll be peppered with those targets in those in that Monday night game. So let's take a quick look ahead here in the fourth quarter to week two. Your Thursday matchup is Baltimore at Cincinnati, both coming off a big win. So that's going to be a nice, nice battle there on that Thursday night. Remember, your play's normally there. The running backs usually do well on Thursday night. Mixon looked tremendous. I expect Nick Collins to have a big bounce back as well. But let's take a look at that game on Thursday and see if Andy Dalton, remember primetime Dalton is not great. Let's see if he can shake that moniker here at home in an interdivision game. The Sunday slate, Carolina at Atlanta, a big bounce back coming for Atlanta against Carolina. Carolina did not look great against a bad Dallas team at home, so I think Atlanta is going to have a nice performance there. The Chargers are going to travel to Buffalo. The weather probably should be decent there. The Chargers should do well. They need this game badly, and Buffalo can circle the wagons, as Chris Berman says. But that's going to be an interesting game because they're really going to have to try there, whether it, whether it's uh, Josh Allen, whether it's Peterman, whoever it is, it's just going to be tough to move the ball. So I kind of like the Chargers there, even though you, you like Buffalo at home, but I like Buffalo home when it snows, not necessarily in September. Minnesota Green Bay, Rogers says he's going to play. That's going to be a big-time game there to see who can establish an early lead in the NFC North. Houston, Tennessee, sort of battle of the two losers there that lost in week one. Someone's going to be in trouble. Someone's going to be great. We'll see if Will Fuller can get back on the field and give them another weapon there for Deshaun Watson. Cleveland at New Orleans. Listen, I'm not buying the Browns on the road yet. I love Tyrod. I'd love to see him do it. I think the Saints are going to put a whooping on the Browns. I think that defense is going to be ticked off, and I expect them to have a much, much better performance against a Cleveland Browns team that, you know, on the road there against New Orleans, that's going to be tough. Jets are going to host Miami. Sam Darnold off a short week. We'll see how he does against the Miami team. Kenny Stills, I'm sure, should still be fine, but we'll see how the receivers do. Kansas City at Pittsburgh. I think Kansas City is going to come back to earth. I think Pittsburgh is going to be ticked off in their home opener. I think this is a big week for Big Ben. I just did the rankings on Fantasy Pros for week two. I'm going to have Ben as a top five quarterback. I think he's going to torch Kansas City and do very, very well at home. Philadelphia at Tampa Bay. Who's to say what can Ryan Fitzpatrick can do? Can Fitzpatrick pull out another win? Foles going down there. He's not played well. That's a tricky spot for Tampa Bay. I like Tampa Bay there to, to, to take another win there away from Philadelphia. That's going to be a tricky game. Indianapolis at Washington. The question is, can Andrew Luck back up what he did? And how's Washington going to do in their home opener? Can Peterson keep it rolling? Arizona at the Rams. The Rams coming off a short week there. Sam Bradford, that's going to be a tough game. <laughs> that Rams defense is going to be fired up, barring no injuries. Sue and Donald and Peters and Tlaib. That's a tough spot for Arizona. That could be Josh. That could be Sam Bradford's last game. Josh Rosen could start the rest of the way. Detroit going out to Sam Fran on a short week. I already told you I like Garoppolo. I think he's going to bounce back. We'll see if Goodwin plays. 
Oakland at Denver, the Raiders at Denver. They're coming off a short week. I, I think Oakland always plays well in Denver, and I'm still not buying Case Keenum. I told you that. So they should they should have to run Royce Freeman, and I think Sanders will have another good game, but I think that's a very close one as well. We'll see how the Raiders play tomorrow night. Pat's going down to Jacksonville. That's a big game. That's my preview game on Road of His Radio for the Fantasy Football Beat. I'm going to preview the Jacksonville game. I got J.P. Shadrick there, the Jaguars. So after their big win, they're going to want to go 2-0, and they're going to be fired up against Brady. They're going to put a lot of pressure on him in that game. That's a nice game. That 425 game. Giants then go to Dallas on Sunday night. Someone's got to get to 1-1 one and one, the losers at 0-2, oh which is tough. And then Seattle to Chicago. And I expect the Bears, with their pass rush, to maul Seattle in this game. Russell Wilson can always run, get around, but there's not going to have Doug Baldwin in that game probably. You can't run on him, and they don't have great receivers. So that's a game that the Bears should definitely, definitely win. So there's your rundown, folks. Week one, injuries, accomplishments, big plays, surprises, Tampa Bay, Fitz Magic, it's all there. Make sure to follow our pod fo- folks on Twitter at PUT Blitz, myself at Randall Rant, my partner at SCOT557. Hopefully he'll be back and not some big time actor in the Showtime documentary that we heard down Atlantic City. He'll give you all the rundown, all the great stuff later this week for sure. So thanks for tuning in. Pick up the Blitz, folks. Monday morning, you, you're tier. You wait for us. It's coming every Monday morning. We'll be back again later in the week to preview the week two games in depth. Pick it up. Pick it up.